Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. Uh, today is Tuesday, July 26, 12.33 p.m. 2022. And uh, I don't know why I do this to myself. Listen to another great Lex Rubian podcast, and it was great. But <sighs> I knew I already knew this topic was going to be problematic because it always is. Um... This time, <clears throat> this particular episode I watched was on intelligence. Intelligence, right? And, um, you know, IQ, uh, the idea of certain people, you know, um, having different levels of intelligence and so on and so forth. <sighs> now, I'm, I'm going to say, like I said, it was a good episode. And the reason why it was good is because, um, first he was interviewing... Um, went, did go into great lengths to explain what he meant by intelligence and G-factor and what IQ actually measures and things like that. Um, and he wasn't racist, <laughs> which is unfortunately a hard, you know, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to find is people who talk about intelligence and yet are not racist or at least don't seem so, right? Maybe, might be wrong. But from what I've seen, he had a, a number of ideas that were very interesting and that didn't, you know, come, didn't seem to come from a racist kind of um, standpoint. Um, I know some people say, oh, you know, just because these other people, you know, had some, thing, had some things about, you know, this topic of intelligence that could be, um, could be misconstrued or assumed or used by, you know, racist people to be racist. It doesn't mean that those researchers were themselves racist. And they are true. However, unfortunately, a lot of the conversation about intelligence has been pretty much, like, subsumed, like, you know, by racists. Like, the main people who ever talk about intelligence are racist, right? And <laughs> I say this as, as, as again, it's, it doesn't really matter about like whether they call themselves racist. It's how much of their information, how much of their you know talking points are racist ideologies. Um, I want to you know harp on this again, but it, it bears saying people like Jordan Peterson, you know, who love to talk about intelligence and things like this and this, that, and the other, but all they're doing is just spewing the same racist ideologies with very, very little, if any at all, actual, you know, um, interesting, uh, and by interesting, I mean like empirical evidence or, you know, logical consistencies and things like that, right? Okay, so, nonetheless, this was still frustrating to me because there were there was a lot of questions I feel like that were not asked. And maybe this is a failing on Lex's part. It definitely is. Part of it is a failing on Lex's part. But also part of it is a failing on the researcher. Um, because they didn't really touch certain topics. Right? Where they began to, you know, talk about. Like, they mentioned how, you know, um, how uh, intel IQ only begins, only tries to measure, you know, intelligence. Uh, through the G factor or whatever he explains the G factor and all this other stuff but he mentions that we don't actually have a way to directly measure intelligence right we use proxies to do so and those proxies such as the IQ test only um, cover like 50% of the variance or, or something like that right and he didn't really go into that 
neither Lex or the researcher. You know, they didn't talk about the fact that the our best. Yeah, he talked about a lot about how IQ tests are the high, most highly correlated thing that we have so far, and that makes sense. But he didn't go into why and what it means <laughs> that even something that ha- is the is the highest corollary or the highest you know correlation with intelligence does not actually measure. 50 for 50, more than 50% of the actual intelligence, you know, <laughs> like it, it, this is a huge point that's completely kind of ignored or just not really addressed, right? He mentioned some other things like genetic um, inheritance and things like that, but he kind of talked around it and didn't go deep enough, I feel, into that, into how um, genetics and, you know, environment plays hand in hand with each other. And how that affects intelligence, she didn't really go much into that, which I felt like it was a huge mis- um, a waste of kind of potential there. He didn't really go into um, into uh, it was another big point I was thinking about. Yes, um, what to do, right, about this data, about this information, about this these possibilities, right? If the fact that different people have varying levels of intelligence, then what do we do, right? And this is one of my biggest problems. And they do mention this part is that in order to communicate this sort of information, right? And it needs to be communicated. Like, I I agree with folks like Lex and the researcher that you shouldn't shy away from these topics, right? You shouldn't not do research here just because it's what you might find, right? That's that's terrible (laughs) because it's still going to be the truth. But now we're going to just be going blindly. Right. I I do think you need to study these things. However, I think you have to be responsible about how you communicate it. And furthermore, be creative about the solutions, you know, and the the ideas around this space. Right. And they sort of mention this. Right. They sort of mention that. Oh, you know, part of science is kind of kind of an art. Right. Kind of a poetry, if you will, and that you have to be exact with your words and stuff like that. But they still didn't really get into the responsibility, right? Into the 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 uh, sheer amount of context and predict, like a sheer amount of context that you go into this, and furthermore predict what people might think in re- in, in response to what you're saying, right? They sort of uh, they sort of kind of ignore this or kind of downplay this, like oh, you know. Um, uh, What's his name? Um, Hitler used uh, some of Kant's ideas, and but that wasn't Kant's fault, right? Blah blah blah. So why do we need, you know, to, you know, to do this? Like it's not the responsibility of the scientist or whatever to or the philosopher to, you know, predict all the all the people who might use this for ill. But I actually think it, it is, <laughs> right? I actually think that's a failing of many philosophers and scientists to not try to predict how people might take this, right? Because a huge part of science is to communicate that science to other people, right? And if you can't realize that communicating your science, communicating your information will be taken badly or will go down the wrong path or, or will you know, lead to something terrible, then what was the point of your science, right? You kind of <laughs> you kind of lost the the momentum there, right? It's kind of a waste of time. If somebody takes your science and then goes and kills a bunch of people, then like <laughs> then uh I don't think that was a great use of it, right? Um 
And then people are going to treat the whole field as radioactive like they do with intelligence. And then now what? Now you're shit out of luck. Now nobody else is going to be, you know, <laughs> studying this field. And we're going to be decades, if not centuries behind on where we could have been. Just because you didn't think it was your responsibility to think about how other people would use your work. Right? So, yes, I was also disgruntled, even though I enjoyed this <laughs> interview. Um, now, let me get into <laughs> uh, what they actually talked about. Um, sorry, I kind of jumped the gun there. So they mentioned things like how intelligence, you know, what intelligence is in terms of it being a general, you know, the general general ability to solve problems, right? Um, to utilize knowledge in order to, you know, do things that help you, that, you know, solve problems, <laughs> which, which is fair, right? Um, they go into how... They came up with this thing called the G-Factor, and I'm not going to go too much into it because it gets into a bit of math, but also a bit of other stuff, and you can just watch the interview yourself because they have a lot of other things I want to talk about rather than recapping everything. But um, nonetheless, they went to this thing called G-Factor, which is the, which seems to have, seems to be the best way we have of essentially measuring or approaching the measurement of intelligence. And you kind of mentioned that because um, they mentioned how g-factor is not intelligence itself but it's you know our best estimate of how we can begin to measure you know elements of intelligence and the iq test is not intelligence again it is a proxy right for how to begin how to find the g-factor <laughs> which again it's itself is a measurement of some elements of intelligence right um or general intelligence and things like that so all this means that when people take an IQ test, you're not necessarily measuring how intelligent they are, right? Because furthermore, the IQ score is relative to other people, right? So somebody who has an IQ of like 140 versus somebody who has an IQ of 70, right? Somebody who has an IQ of 140 is not twice as smart as somebody who has an IQ of 70, right? That just means they scored in a higher percentile than, some, than the, the person who scored as a 70, right? And what that actually means, what that, how that plays out in terms of, you know, um, their problem-solving skills and all this other stuff is, is kind of contextual, right? It's, it's based on, you know, <laughs> how many people took the test, um, the, the general environment, what, you know, what they can do, what resources they have open to them, right? But generally, it gives you a good idea of how, um, how much they would be able to utilize the tools available to them, right? A person with a higher IQ typically can utilize more resources, right, that's available. I mean, they can be more effective at the resources that they have available to them, right? Um, and in our current society, we can see that uh, people who have a higher IQ typically have a higher standard of living, right? socioeconomic status and they're deemed as quote-unquote more successful right um and this is another one of my problems with them is that they don't really they don't really go into why that is right they kind of just take the surface level you know <laughs> uh, take on that like oh yeah it's, it's, it makes sense that smarter people are more you know successful but what does it mean to be successful right why is it that you have to be smarter in order to be more successful they 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 show 
that not everybody needs a high IQ, right, in order to do their work, right? If you're, you know, a minor or something like that, you don't necessarily need a high IQ in order to do that job well, right? You just need to be competent at that job um, and do it, you know, safely and all this other stuff, right? So my question is, you know, how can we make a society where you don't need to be, you know, extremely intelligent in order to be successful, right? That's one of my questions there. Um, that they never answered, uh, that they never really, you know, delved into. Obviously, they won't answer my question, but, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, it, it seems that you would want to ask this sort of question as a person who's, who's studying, you know, this field. And I think he, again, I think he's sort of aware of this because he does mention that it's, it's very problematic that we have, he, he mentioned that there is like, 18% of people in the U.S. alone that has a high IQ of 85 or below. 85, that's just the lowest percentile, one of the lowest percentile. Like, there's nobody that goes to zero, right? I think the lowest is around 70s or 80s or something like that. But 18%, that's, that's like, I think he said 50 million people in the U.S. alone that has IQ that low. And what people with higher IQ don't understand, which I think it was great of him to mention, is that people with low IQ find it very difficult right to go through life because it's not just that you know they make you know dumb decisions or anything like that not only that but it's it's harder to understand what's going on in life right life itself is like I said like a game right <laughs> or they, they mentioned the, like its own IQ test and if you have a higher IQ you can kind of perceive things a little bit better you can you know um you know, make connections better. You can figure out th these different problems and so on and so forth. You can understand what's going on around you a little bit better, right? But for people with lower IQ, it's almost like a handicap, if you will, right? Like it, it's really difficult to go function through life to try and understand what this this thing is saying, what's going on there, you know, how these problems you know connect and all this other stuff, how to solve these different problems that you have in your life. So if you have 50 million Americans, you know, that have this issue and, you know, maybe half of them are children, right? What does that mean for how our society is developed, right? Do we just let them fail at everything? Just say, oh, they're dumb and that's just it, right? Uh, it serves them right for being dumb. <laughs> that's, that's really messed up. But that's exactly how we treat these people, right? That's how, exactly how we treat intelligence, we say, oh, you're not smart, and you, so you deserve to be poor or, you know, um, struggling and things like that, right? That, that is how we structure our society. And he sort of kind of mentions this, right? He sort of kind of says it's not, it's not really, like, we should figure out some sort of, you know, um, policy. I think that's what he mentions, says, you know, uh, to help these people, right? Um, which I agree with, but that's where it ends. That's where it ends. He doesn't really go in, in, any further. And I find that really, really concerning because, again, as intelligence, if you're researching intelligence and you um, and I'll get into um, further, you know, problems with it or further things that they mention. But if you're researching this field and you realize that, <laughs> you know, a whole lot of people have, you know, not very high intelligence, but our, our entire society is structured so that highly intelligent people are more likely to be successful then. What and he also mentions later on that how how the intelligent people are more likely to be to live longer and things like this. So you, you have to 
I would think that this is this becomes a, a key critical thing to figure out is what do we do with people who have lower intelligence, all right? And to make this matters worse, they go further. They, they mention how research shows that high IQ is highly dependent upon genetics. It, it seems to have a genetic origin, which means that is pretty much unchangeable, right? Intelligence. I should have said that, sorry. Um, they mentioned that you can get, even though there are problems with the IQ testing, right? It is still better than almost pretty much every other test out there, right? In order to test intelligence, which, which, is, which is why, you know, high, IQ is still being used um, despite its, you know, um, ideas there. And furthermore, they mentioned how things like SAT tests and standardized, test, standardized testing is also basically an IQ test, right? It's, it's highly IQ or, right, I'm sorry, it says G-loaded, right? So it's, it's meant to be um, as close to something like IQ or as close to measuring G-factor as we can possibly do. So it makes sense that we use standardized testing from the perspective of measuring intelligence, right? However, once again, it doesn't make sense that our society means like put you in that well i'll get back to that i'll get back to that <laughs> he goes on to say that uh we have a lot of research that shows that intelligence is highly you know genetic right in which they can see that even if you are raised like if for for people that's adopted for instance right if you are raised in a family that's a you know typically higher iq right that scored higher things like that then um, you would have an IQ that's closer to your birth family, right? So even if you're raised there. However, I do have to mention, which is another question I have, is how young of the, <laughs> were they adopted? Because something they also mentioned is that though it is tied to genetics, there, of course, is an environmental factor, but they're not clear on how much of an environmental factor, right? They mentioned how we haven't found any evidence or any any um, programs rather that increase IQ by being by creating a better environment they mentioned that throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s they had a various amounts of programs to help people who came from disadvantaged backgrounds and environments to try and increase their IQ scores and things like that but nothing panned out right so this seems to point to IQ being pretty much or G factor intelligence pretty much locked to your you know um, genetics. However, what they don't mention, what they don't really talk about is at what point does this get locked in, if you will, right? Because he does mention that genetics and environment, like nature and nurture, is goes hand in hand, right? It's not one or the other. It's both, right? Um, so when you say there's no environmental um, factor, what we really mean to say is that the genetics plays a larger role and the environment is essentially a supporting role in how those genetics plays out because what people don't understand and they they do talk about this a little bit not enough in my opinion we talk about this a little bit is that genetics is um a little bit fluid right like yes you have a set genetics dna whatever that you get from your parents and your you know your your family but which genes get activated, right, actually depends upon your environment and largely 
your diet, they do point out that there seems to be a large or a sizable, I'm not sure how large, but sizable relationship, correlation between nutrients, between diet and um, G factor and, and, and you know IQ scores. So people who have a better nutrients typically do better on IQ scores, on IQ testing. So my question is, which they never really get into for some reason, is at what point does a child's nutrition you know, impact their DNA, impact their genetics, meaning activate you know, certain uh, um, genetic sequences and things like that, that allow them to and have better IQ scores later on down the line, right? I'm not sure if there's any studies like that. To put this in a better kind of context, what I'm saying is during a pregnancy and then immediately after, you know, in the first year, maybe in the first couple years, right, there's different genetic um, codes being activated or suppressed as a result of your birth, right? Mm -hmm. During pregnancy, whatever the mother can, and, and, and can consume at that time, right? Um, the, the stress factor of the mother and things like that, all of that impacts what genetics get activated. So yes, you might have certain genetics from your parents, but it's not clear which of those genetics are being activated or, or actually being inherited and will, will play out in your life. So for instance, if you're, you know, your mother has a high IQ, but your father has a lower IQ, right? Which one gets inherited, right? It's not clear how that gets panned out. It's not clear, you know, um, how do we know, you know, what which one the child would get? Will they inherit the mother's high IQ or the father's low IQ, right? Maybe it depends on nutrition. I don't know. We don't know. They never mentioned this. Why? I don't know. <laughs> this is the type of research that we need to delve into. Um, and I'll tell you why even more, you know, later on down the line. Another, you know, similar to when you're in pregnancy, also uh, when you're when the baby is born, right? When they're an infant. We still know, we know that the brain is, is, of course, developing very quickly. And there are certain genetics that gets activated or suppressed even during infant, infant, like during that stage of development, right? And this is most likely also tied to nutrition as well as stress and, you know, probably a bunch of other factors that we aren't really thinking about. They never really mention this. <laughs> they just vaguely mention adoption and all that other stuff. They didn't mention at what age these kids were adopted. They didn't mention, you know, their their uh, backgrounds and uh, from where the adoptions came from and all this other stuff, right? And I find I find that concerning because this would this is a huge piece of the puzzle, I would think, right? Furthermore, <laughs> they kind of creep around this. They didn't really delve much into it, but they do mention that there does seem to be, you know, some population differences between different groups, different cultures, who have different, you know, medium. Um, IQ levels, right? Um, now, Lex does bring up the bell curve and that, that infamous book <laughs> in which postulates that, um, you know, folks like, you know, African Americans um, have on average a lower IQ than white Americans, right? And the book supposedly even uh, mentions that Africans, you know, people in Africa also have a lower IQ than Europeans. Therefore, this seems to have a racial or ethnic, you know, um, um, average, right, uh, relationship. It doesn't seem to be just, um, it doesn't seem to be just 
based on environment, right? Because you can easily make the argument that here in America, a lot of black people, most black people, are on average less advantaged than white people, you know, due to racism, due to the whole history of that, right? And so the book tries to say that, oh, no, even in Africa, you know, where, you know, there isn't this environmental factor, you still see this um, IQ difference. Now, <laughs> for some reason, right, and if you, if you, any, any sort of buff in history or, you know, listen to what I've been talking about these last couple of years, really, then you might see the problem here. But for some reason, this researcher does not mention the valid criticisms of this text. He, he just goes into how, you know, a lot of people were, you know, um, just called this entire book the, the, the racist book or whatever and, you know, wanted to, you know, um, not talk about intelligence anymore and any sort of um, conversation about intelligence was radioactive now. Now, nobody wants to touch it and things like that. And yes, these are valid ideas. He also mentions how certain criti critics of this were, were were not empirical themselves. I forgot the exact name, but one of the folks um, were talking about how um, were, were tried to critique this, but they themselves didn't have good research, right? Which is a good thing to, to mention, right? It's, it's, you can't you can't offer criticism that itself doesn't have good research, right? If you are offering a different if you are offering a different you know alternative, but your alternative is is also not valid, then that's not a good alternative, right? Obviously. Now they mention all this stuff, but for some reason, they do not mention the fact, and I because I've done my own research on this, <laughs> um, that in that book, the research they use to justify this data, right, to get this data about IQ scores of different Black Americans and Africans, were actually completely unethically sourced, and when I mean by unethically, I mean terribly sourced, meaning the, the First of all, the IQ scores for people in America, I think there were different problems with them. I don't remember exactly what, um, but it, there were still some valid data there. Don't get me wrong. The biggest concerns that I saw was that the IQ scores for people in Africa were terrible, right? Number one, they did a lot of these so-called IQ, IQ tests in English for people who did not speak English, right? So this is a huge problem just just with that right there right a lot of these iq scores were done with people who didn't actually speak english and yet they were given english iq scores and then they took those scores and acted like they were valid number two they used iq scores or or tests from people from south africans during apartheid during apartheid during the worst parts of apartheid mind you in the late like 80s or so <laughs> when these people were being killed en masse and put in the slums and all this other stuff and they want to use this data as valid examples of Africans who were who were not in a you know bad environment who were not under the same racism as in America so you're using data from parts of Africa that were in a worse environmental you know <laughs> um, status a worse environment than even those in America and then you're going to say that's valid data. Like, what in the hell? And then, you know, even the, um, the data they used from other places in Africa were not actual IQ tests, right? The IQ score, IQ tests are very, very um, rigorous, right? They're rigorously, they're very 
particular about the questions they get and you know and so on they're using a whole battery of tests right they like to use that word the battery <laughs> but basically it just means a, a suite a, a a number of types of tests right where they test um, math and then they test you know they might test your general knowledge of things they might test your language speaking abilities and this that and the other right or vocabulary I should say and this that and the other this is like a full battery but it turns out that when you delve into the data that they sourced for these African IQ tests, a lot of that data was not actually from IQ tests. It was from like some sort of military program or government program where they were testing something else rather than IQ. But they used those as a proxy for IQ tests, even though it's not to the same standards as an IQ test. And they said, oh, this is the data. And this is, you know, if the data shows that, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the problem is that if your data itself is wrong or biased, then what does that mean for the what the data shows, right? And for some reason, they never bring this up. They never bring this up. And so that was very concerning to me as well. Now, despite all of that, I actually do think we should be doing research in this field of intelligence and IQ. We should, dis we should figure out if there really is a difference between the IQ scores or the G factor in intelligence of you know, typically African people versus European people versus Asian people and so on and so forth. We should figure this out, right? Mm -hmm. But what we should be doing with this information is not to use it as a justification you know, for this idea of superiority and inferiority and things like that. I think we need to use this to understand the difference between cultures, right? Because prior to watching this whole video, this whole podcast, I was responding to this one comment because uh, Lex put different clips about this stuff. And um, it was this like 15-minute clip talking about... Um, talking about uh, just the general idea of uh, that, that there might be differences in intelligence between different people right um, and it might be genetic based and one of the comments in there again why do I do this to myself I don't know uh, well I do know because it's fun <laughs> and because I like to share information and I like to debate <laughs> even though debating is not necessarily effective usually um, but nonetheless this is one comment that said uh, why, why can't people accept you know that there might be difference in intelligence right like, we, we accept that there's differences in height. We accept that there's differences in weight and this, that, and the other, you know. Um, and we don't see, you know, we don't deem that as, as problematic, right? If different people are, are different height. If you're born, you know, taller or whatever, then that doesn't necessarily mean that you're better than the person that's born shorter. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take this. <laughs> I'll take this comment out and I'll answer to it. Um, before I even commented, there were a whole bunch of people that said, oh, whistle, whistleblow, or dog whistle, dog whistle, right? This is the, <laughs> it's not going to go down a good path, right? There's a dog whistle of somebody probably being racist. And I was like, you're probably right, but I'm going to try anyways, because I really don't like when people don't answer people's questions. If people seem to ask a question, I want to answer them. I want to give them, I want to, I want to give them the benefit of a doubt. I want to, I want to assume good faith that they actually are curious about this stuff, because I'm curious about this stuff too, right? Um, so I answered. I said uh, something along the lines of, um, oh, people 
don't usually want to accept that because people all too quickly get into really racist ideologies, right? Where they mention that, oh, just because uh, of this person is less intelligent, then that means they're inferior and this, that, and the other. And, and it leads to eugenics, leads to, you know, um, all these racism, it leads to all these terrible things, right? Because for some reason, a lot of people are not mature enough to have a productive conversation on the matter, right? They instantly get into racism. And then I went even further. I said, there's even a deeper problem here because there doesn't seem to be enough questions as to why we even hold intelligence, specifically reasoning or the type of intelligence that IQ scores measure, hold that so highly. When, when in, in reality, we know that there's actually a difference between intelligence and creativity, between intelligence and kindness, between intelligence and, you know, or IQ and EQ, right? Emotional intelligence, social intelligence, and things like that. So there's not enough um, conversation about that, right? And people don't really delve into that aspect. Like, why do we hold, why, why are, you know, why do we accept that people with high IQ scores are so much successful when we, when people with low IQ or, or high EQ, but low IQ, right? If people, ah, I'm saying this terribly, but you get what I mean, right? <laughs> There's people who, who have high emotional intelligence, who are really kind and creative and can help people and make people feel good, right? Hear them out and all this other stuff. These people are not usually as successful as the people with high IQ. A great example of this is something like a good school teacher versus a good, you know, CEO, right? A good school teacher impacts the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of children, which go on to impact the lives of hundreds of, hundreds of thousands or millions of people. You don't know, right? They probably have a huge ripple effect from being a good teacher, right? Versus a CEO who, you know, owns a company or something like that. And yes, they may impact the lives of many people, but more so from their products, which may or may not be, you know, uh, good products. They may be very exploitive and all this other stuff, right? So I mentioned all this stuff. Um, yes, it was a long comment, but <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> I like to be, you know, um, detailed. So I go into all this stuff, and then they come back to me. Um, with basically some racist shit. Okay, it was it was it wasn't even it wasn't even uh, interesting at that point. Um, but I was still, you know, trying to you know claw it back or not even claw it back. But I was I like to still continue on with the conversation, even if I even though I'm no, I'm going with somebody that's in bad faith because I'm I'm thinking about all the other people that may be reading this, right? Because to me. I see it as like if people read this comment, I want them to see that I was acting in good faith. I gave them great answers, you know, and then they came up with some dumb shit, right? So you can see the difference between somebody who is racist and somebody who is not. Somebody who gives you good reasoning, logical skills, and somebody who does not, right? Because personally, I really hate the idea that, oh, the left doesn't, is not logical or isn't reasoning. You're just, you know, emotional, whatever, like that. I disagree, right? I think. Or rather, I, I do find that un unfortunately there are a lot of people on the quote-unquote left who just want to make emotional arguments but with no actual logic behind it or pseudo-emotional arguments because oftentimes they don't even get into the, the real empathy of it. 
But nonetheless, there's a lot of people who don't want to answer these sorts of questions and just, oh, you should know better. I hate that, right? Growing up, there's always, oh, you should know better, but not like, no, why do we, you know, I like to get into the why. But anyways, okay. So they come back and say something like, oh, you know, this is why, you know, you people are, 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 are inferior or you people are this, that, and the other, right? Because you saw my profile picture. I have my real face on there because um, it's tied to my real YouTube channel. And um, he's like, this is why I can't talk to you people. You're always trying to give some ex- some some uh, some uh, some excuses for why you're you're you know terrible or why you're inferior. This that and you. I'm just like, what in the goddamn? <laughs> you ask the question, right? As to why people don't want to talk about this stuff, <laughs> why people don't accept this stuff, and then you down even after all these dog whistles and everything like that. So people were predicting that this is not gonna go well. And you just had to prove them right. And I was just like, oh, come on, man. Like, we could have tried to have some productive conversation. I think I actually said that. I was like, I was hoping to have a productive conversation here and introduce all these problems, all these ideas and all this other stuff. And it comes back, oh, you can't have a productive conversation with, with you people who, who want to do blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, ah. Oh. And here it goes. But I continued, you know. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm more so, like, the thing that frustrates me me about this stuff it's not you know people being racist it's the fact that uh, you you came up with a, a a valid criticism right but then you seem to have had some sort something in mind where you weren't going to accept any answer besides your preconceived you know um um idea your preconceived usually racist idea you wanted to an answer and you were looking for that answer and you weren't going to accept anything else even if it was valid <laughs> you know and that's what really frustrates me is like why even pretend to be intellectual or to ask or to be curious to ask questions if you're not actually going to you know explore <laughs> the, these possibilities and these ideas right um nonetheless you know i continued i said uh you know, we should consider the fact that there is a cultural difference between, you know, folks like Asians and, 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 and black folks. Because he, he brought up, you know, you know, there's a lot of Asian people who are impoverished, but they still do better on tests. But I mentioned that Asia actually has a very, very deep history with testing, with precisely, I, I maybe not IQ tests, we, we don't, I can't say, but definitely with testing in general. Like, it's deep in their culture, more than any other culture in the world, like China and Japan, you know, um, have a deep history with this stuff. And I know because I not only do I research it, but I've also read Wuxia and Zongxia. And that's a big part of these fiction stories. The people, the main character, the cultivator, right, is studying. That's the whole point, right? They study, 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 practice, practice, practice in order to be, you know, the best ever, right? So meritocracy and, and like intelligence based things are a deep part of their culture. Right. And so when they're they're coming over here to America and they're doing all this stuff, they're going to bring that over. They're going to say, "Okay, you as a student, you're going to study, study, study in order for you to do the best that you possibly can. And yes, we may say, oh, yeah, this is great. This is great. This is what we should think about. But again, also look at the other side, the fact that a lot of these folks come over and they're miserable. Right, you hear this all the time. This idea of the tiger mom, right? The tiger, <laughs> the the mom is so focused on testing and all this other stuff that the kids feel completely, you know, constrained and and uh, and you know, like they don't have any real freedom. They and they, the 
many immigrants, not just, you know, um, Asians, but many immigrants do this, where they say, oh, you're going to come over here, you're going to be a lawyer, doctor, or engineer, right? That's your only um, career options. And a lot of the kids don't like this. I've talked to many of them, all right? They hate this. And a lot of them, you know, rebel because of that, right? And that's not really talked about very much, right? Is the, is the consequences of this sort of culture, right? People love to, you know, criticize things like black culture, right, for hip hop and things like this, but they they refuse to criticize, you know, things like Asian culture, which bring up a lot of people who are very miserable, and you know, end up becoming, you know, get into all sorts of mess as well. And so this is what I try to bring up. But he's like, oh, you're using culture as an excuse. You just don't want to blah, 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 blah. I'm just like, there you go. <laughs> so it's very unfortunate. But I bring all this up because this is a huge part of the conversation, right? Is that these cultural factors, I think, play a deeper role in how um, these different genetics play out, right? Because for some reason, people don't mention how um, genetics play out across across um, generations, right? A huge part of those genetics is culture, right? Think about it. Is the type of like genetics is not just you know whatever is in your DNA. It's what gets inherited, what gets um, activated, what plays out, and then you know uh, what reproduces within that culture. So if you have certain genetics that create certain personalities or 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 ways of seeing the world or reactions or whatever, right? You're going to find other people who want to reproduce with you based on those characteristics, based on those things, right? So the type of genetics that would, you know, um, um, you know, get uh, passed on across generations are based on the culture of those people, right? And so what I tried to mention here in that conversation is that for a lot of black people but really most black people around the world right we've had this point in history where our entire society was completely upended right to where many of the cultures and ideas and all this other stuff was almost cut off right people here in Americas you know don't even know their own culture don't even know their their heritage don't even know their history. They, just, they were brought over here, of course, as slaves, right? And so they had to start a new culture. And that new culture was oppression, was being oppressed and trying to conquer that oppression, was trying to get out of that system, right, for generations. And so the new culture, the new genetics that are being, you know, passed on based on this culture was, number one, you know, um, controlled very uh, much by slavery, because they would try to breed black people <laughs> and to say, okay, we're going to like, yeah, you, you're good for the field, you, you're good for this. And they would breed people like that. They would break up families and all this other stuff, right? They would do this. So that is factored into our genetics now, right? And then on top of that, after slavery, you then had this, this, this concept of trying to, you know, get, find some sort of success, find, try to claw your way out under this this massive history of racism and this environment where everybody hates you, right? Because even when people after uh, racism, oh goodness, after slavery, when people try to you know get become successful and things like that, and they were actually building their own towns, you know, building their own societies and things like that here in America, guess what happened? Boom, places got burned down, 
all right boom people getting lynched boom people getting like this is a huge part of american culture and furthermore black american culture where we try to succeed we try to excel and then you get you know murdered or something like that so what happens to all that all those genetics all right what happens to all those genetics of people who actually tried to succeed and then got killed what happened to that we don't know we don't we just never talked about all right and then in the modern day a huge part of the black culture is hustle culture right it's still trying to um trying to win trying to you know get some success get under this art of oppression where you're raised in some sort of impoverished area you're raised under some sort of racist area where people you know you still have sundown towns even to this day but especially even you know in the 80s and 90s and the birth of hip-hop and things like that you have these sundown towns you all this so everywhere you look there's enemies there's ops right so that's a huge part of you know how hip-hop developed as a sort of you know fuck the police as a sort of you know rebellion against you know authority and all this other stuff right and yes there's a lot of toxicity into that because the environment is toxic right if, the, if you don't know your culture right you don't know where you come from and your entire history is full of people or of you being treated as less than human right what are you going to Strive, what are you going to hold on to? You're going to hold on to whatever examples of success you see. And usually that is either people breaking the law, right? Gangsters and things like that, getting a whole bunch of money and being able to find some success despite, you know, uh, the environment. Or number two, examples of capitalism and patriarchy and things like that as you see in white society. And so now you see different types of black people you see black people who strive for that you know that gangster lifestyle because it's an example of success it's an example of you know um um you know well like i said success is people actually being able to make money you know um reproduce find you know women and all this other stuff and uh, um men too but of course it's under a system of patriarchy so people look at it from the perspective of all oh, these male figures who have all this money, resources, and women, and all this other stuff, and um, on the other side, you have you know uh, people who strive for the capitalistic you know things of owning their own business and all this other stuff, and of course that that gets um, melded together, right? Because gangsters, you know, people who are in a mob or whatever, have their own business of selling drugs. That that becomes its own business, right? <laughs> people hold Scarface in high regard, even though he was he was a big criminal. But you know, people wonder why you know <laughs> certain people hold you know gangsters in high regard, like you know uh, Tupac and Biggie and things like that, slinging drugs and stuff. Like it's 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 owning businesses, entrepreneurship is all the things in America that we say is success. Right, and people wonder why we're here, why you have all this toxic examples. It's because that is the environment that was built up, and furthermore, that's the culture that was um, able to survive. That was the culture that was able to be developed. That was the culture that was able to 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 um, to progress the genetics of the, this this group of people. Right, so really hate when people bring up this idea of genetics and this, that, and the other. But they don't look at the actual history and the context as to how those genetics were able to, you know, develop. People just say, oh, you're, you're inferior, you're just dumb, right? Like, no, there's a huge amount of context into how people would have these different genetics, right? So even if there is a genetic component to IQ, 
even if there is a lower, quote-unquote, lower intelligence in black people versus white people. That speaks more to the vast amount of environmental destruction and exploitation, I think, than it does purely to some inherent, you know, um, property of different, quote-unquote, races. Right? Because, once again... There is far more to the story than, you know, some inherent property, right? There is no such thing amongst humans anymore. Like, we, we constantly evolve. We constantly adapt to our environments. And so you have to look at, you know, how those environments, you know, how, we, how people adapt to those environments in the last decades and centuries. If this is not brought into the conversation, then what the fuck are you doing? All right? What are we going to learn? <laughs> How are we going to make things better? If we don't mention this context, then we'll never really be able to make things better. We're just going to be shuffling the board around. I don't care whether or not you know, people that look like me might have a lower intelligence. I really don't. Maybe, maybe they do. Who cares? Right? Or rather, yes, it's important that we look at that. But the importance is now what do we do? How do we create a world where, you know, people with lower intelligence can still live a great life, can still reach their most potential, right? Can we consider whether or not we can improve intelligence, right? They mentioned that maybe even if it is genetic um, based doesn't mean it's set that way, right? It It means we can then study biological, molecular biology to then change people's genetics and change people's intelligence, right? So then we have to consider, okay, how do we introduce that, right? And furthermore, we have to do more research as to whether or not there actually is a trade-off between higher intelligence and emotional intelligence, right? Between uh, a quote-unquote rationality or reasoning skills or whatever and social, you know, relationship building. Is there a difference there, right? Is there a trade-off? We don't actually know. We need to be able to do this research to actually answer these questions. Because if not, guess what they're going to do? Somebody's going to come up with some way to increase IQ, increasing some sort of uh, how well you do in IQ scores. People are going to be like, oh, yeah, everybody, even if, if, like, if you want to be, like, everybody will want to be more intelligent, right? But guess what? It's going to be locked behind some pay, some pay uh, wall. So you're going to have to have good, you know, um, good, uh, Goodness, healthcare, or you know, money to buy these pills or whatever is going to be this treatment, and then now you're going to have people who are being born uh, more and more intelligent, but then they grow up and it turns out they they become psychopathic, you know, <laughs> sociopathic, you know, serial killers or something like that. You know, they become extremely able to you know manipulate people and all this other stuff. Like we don't we don't know if that's an actual you know if that's an actual risk because people aren't really asking these questions. People aren't really doing this research. They're just looking on a surface level or just backing away from the whole thing, letting the most unsavory people, the most callous people, um, lead the way. All right, and by callous mm-hmm. I mean people like Elon Musk who like oh yeah let's put a computer in people's heads and then you know let them you know do things. <laughs> you know, right, people. Th- Hold Elon Musk in, in so high regard because he's pushing the pushing the barrier, right? But if you're pushing the barrier in the in the, in the dumbest ways, 
right? <laughs> Where is that going to lead us? If people, if companies like Google are the only ones doing artificial intelligence, right? Then what does that mean for artificial intelligence? <laughs> you know, what type of AI are we going to create? This is why we have to, we can't shy away from the, these sorts of questions and technologies and, and so on. Right? Nor can we, you know, sit back and say, you know, pat these billionaires on the back for, for being the ones that do this sort of work. Right? Because what this actually means is not that the billionaires are the only ones who want to do this work. I would love to do it. Right? Is that we live in a society where you have to have some, a huge amount of ridiculous amount of wealth for you to even begin to do things that interest you, that, that change the world, you know, on a large scale. And that's extremely concerning. Right, because that means that the entire, you know, um, path of humanity is now going to be controlled by a fewer and fewer amount of people, particularly usually people who are extremely um, manipulative, quite frankly, and exploitive, who who excel at winning the game of capitalism, which itself, as we've established, and even people who are capitalistic probably would 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 admit. Is extremely exploitive. So if you can win the game at, at, at capitalism, that's like winning the game at you know torture or something. Okay, maybe not that bad, but you get my point, All right? It's not. It's, it's you're not winning a good game. You know, it's like winning the game of Monopoly, <laughs> right? In order to win the game of Monopoly, you have to be. You gotta. You gotta get over on some people, right? And I didn't want to believe this for a long time. I was like, oh yeah, you could be nice and be a billionaire or a trillionaire, but no, it's not. It's not physically, it's not socially possible. In order for you to even develop a company that gets that big, you have to be exploitive. Right? You have to not pay some workers as much as they're owed. You have to, you know, you have to negotiate and try to get the most out of your negotiation while making the other person get less. You have to, you know, find ways to get the most amount of resources out of an area, own the means of production, and pay the least amount of consequences from that. You have to do these things if you want to develop a billion-dollar company. So it's inherent in success. And that's another thing I want to close on. What does it mean to be successful today? If being successful is mostly a proxy of, you know, or rather, if higher income is mostly a proxy of success, then what does that mean for our society, right? They like in the in the podcast they mentioned that you know, higher income doesn't necessarily mean successful, it doesn't mean happy or anything like that, but they at the same time don't give a better definition of what success is in today's society. Because that is what success is in today's society Is making a bunch of money So you can have your own home Have your own cars and this that and the other And do whatever you want to do right? That's what it means to be successful You have a stable career You can own your, home, your, you own your, own, ah, you own your home right? You have your own car Cars right? You can uh, feed your family you know, Whatever they want You go on trips You can do all this stuff right? That's what it means to be successful In today's society but if in order to do that, right, what does that mean? It means you have to be good at exploitation, at exploiting the resources available to you or even not available to you, finding resources <laughs> that, and, you know, taking them from other people, right? 
And what do I mean by that? I mean like when you buy a house, for instance, right? You're you're now invested in this property and you want to raise the value of that house so that either you can get a, a return on investment or so that you can, you know, um, attract other people that you want to live in your in your community in that environment, in that neighborhood. Have other people buy homes and stuff like that. And that necessarily <laughs> means that you are gentrifying that neighborhood. It means the people who lived there before who may not have been making as much money, right? You now are incentivized to push these people out, right? Because regardless of who the, the, the type of people are, but usually they're black people, <laughs> but regardless of who, the, who they are, you're going to, you know, there's going to be an image of your neighborhood, of like all oh, these poorer people lived there before, you know, so therefore that's what you should be, you know, costing. If most people in your neighborhood are, you know, paying this amount for rent, that means this is what your, you know, property is worth. But if you can get more people in your environment that are or in your neighborhood that are paying higher rents, that means that necessarily means the market is better, right? That means that your property value then goes up. And so you're incentivized to push people out, to gentrify, to, you know, exploit <laughs> right this is the fundamental problem with capitalism in our current society our very definition of success hinges upon the exploitation of people and resources and the environment and so on so if people with higher IQ are the more more able and more likely to be successful in an, in a, in a society as such as that then does that mean these people are better at exploiting resources and being, <laughs> you know, um, uh, more of this type of person, more amoral or, you know, um, selfish or this, that, and the other, right? You have to consider these things, right? So how can we create a society where people can be, where the very definition of success is more open to more people being successful, right? To more people able to you know live in an environment where they are have all the means that they need and they can do what they 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 want in their life how can we build that society where the question is not even about being successful the question is you know living to your utmost potential or maybe that is the better definition of success in a society where everybody can get their resources where everybody has you know a home and food and you know can take care of their children and all this other stuff maybe in that society the definition of quote unquote success will actually be being able to live, you know, being able to excel beyond, you know, just living, right? Being able to, you know, create uh, the, the most, the, the, make the most amount of innovations or, you know, create crazy inventions, do have crazy experiences and all this other stuff, right? So maybe now success is not a baseline of living a comfortable life, but actually, you know, living. An exceptional life today, you know, uh, most uh, success is, uh, starts at a baseline of living comfortably, and then goes way beyond that of living extravagantly. Right? Maybe we need to, you know, fix that up a little bit. But I got to end it here at the end. Here, I'm always talking too much. So sorry. But as always, thanks for listening. Um, thanks for watching or listening. Goodness, think. Thanks for thinking with me. And. Uh, Please do continue to think and be radical and ask questions and be curious and don't be afraid to be revolutionary. 
but yeah, as always, let me know what you think, and if you think I'm wrong, you know, feel free to bring it up. I'm always open to these conversations. Um, but yeah, I'll end it there, and uh, have a great day. See ya. Bye bye.